Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 36. And others had trial of cruelty, mocking and scourging, yet moreover a bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were uh, sawn and slender, were tempted, and were slain with a sword. They wandered about in the sickness and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in the mountains, and in the dens and caves of the earth. And all these, all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for all your mercy and grace and love. Father, we just thank you for each one here tonight. This morning, Lord, we pray that uh, something is said that will prick the hearts that they come running to you, Lord. Father, we'll praise you for what you do and what you've done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. I know all of us have heard messages from the Hall of Faith chapter this morning. Normally when we preach from this chapter, we focus our attention on the great deliverance that faith brings about. Faith that's translated Enoch, faith that saved Noah, uh, faith that delivered Joseph and, and Moses, faith that led Abraham uh, uh, across the desert and uh, uh, the sand looking for a city and a country whose builder was the Lord. But there are some verses in this chapter that I wish that or some people that in this book or in this chapter that did not see the translation like Enoch did, did not see the deliverance like Moses of Joseph did, did not see the salvation of God like Noah and Rahab and the rest in the chapter 11. In fact, if chapter 11 ended verse 35, I would be happy with it, but it did not. Now, I want to go against all these TV evangelists this morning they act like if you have enough faith in God, everything's going to be ice cream and cotton candy. That's not always true. A matter of fact, in the Bible, it, uh, 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 this chapter ends in verse 35. It looks like it would have been great, but it does not end in chapter 35. It talks about some of God's people that had just as much faith in God as Abraham, just as much faith in God as Sarah, just as much faith in God as Enoch, Moses, Joseph, David, just as much faith as all these had. These people mentioned in this chapter, they had just as much faith, but they did not see the deliverance like the rest saw. And it said, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise of God having provided some better things for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Some, I'm sorry to tell you, did not get healed. Some did not get delivered. Some did not get out of the fiery trials. They had gone through this morning. I, I wish I could stand and tell you uh, that every trial that you go through, every affliction that uh, uh, has been put upon you, 
every problem that God has allowed to come into your life. I wish I could tell you that will absolutely end in deliverance. I, I know there's deliverance coming. I, I know that. I can say that it's all things that's going to be right. I can say everything's going to be right. You're, you're going to beat this. You're, you're going to make it through this. I wish I could say that uh, it's always going to be as you want it to be. There are some things that God allows to come to your life that you're just going to have to go through this morning. There are those that did not receive the deliverance like the, uh, Moses did or like uh, Abraham did. There was those that did not see, receive the, uh, 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 the, uh, the uh, translation like Enoch did, but yet they still had the same faith in God as the rest of them, but yet they'd suffered in trials and tribulations and problems in their life. And let me just say that this morning, you and I are going to suffer in our trials and tribulations this morning. God's going to allow you to go through some things today. He's not always going to deliver you out of there, but like I said, He's always going to be standing there with you in your situation. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, you know exactly where you are. There are three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not going to bow down to the idol, the God of Nebuchadnezzar. He said, if you fall down and worship my God, when I go and play this uh, uh, heretic mess, uh, music, this uh, ungodly music, then if you bow down, everything's going to be all right. I won't throw you in a fiery furnace. But look at the Bible said in verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Anson said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter in boldness. We're not going to waver about this. We're going to tell you exactly how it is. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. We know God is able. He can do anything this morning. He is very capable and able. We know that the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But notice the first three words, verse number 18. This is what hit me. But if not, what if he doesn't? What if God doesn't deliver you out of this fiery furnace? What if God does not Deliver you from being cast into this furnace. What if God chooses this morning to let you burn in this furnace? What if God chooses not to get me out of what I'm going through this morning? What if God is saying, hey, I, I, I'm not be able to do this. 
He says, but if not, let it be known unto thee, O king, we still ain't going to change our minds. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to waver. Our minds are made up. If God delivers us, if God doesn't, if God delivers us out of it, if God does not deliver us, I am not changing my mind, O king. He'll deliver us on this side or he'll deliver us on that side. That we will not serve the gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want to talk to you this morning on a rare kind of believer. This is what the Bible calls Christians uh, many times in our, in our Bible. It's called believers. I want to talk about a rare form of believer this morning. Speaking on this thought. But if not believer. The kind of believer that says if God doesn't fix my problem. If God doesn't fix what's wrong in my life. If God doesn't fix uh, what is against me today. What's plaguing me? Or what's ailing me? What if God does not bring deliverance in my situation this morning? I'm not going to quit on him. I'm not going to badmouth him. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to get out of church. I'm not going to get out of my Bible. I'm not going to turn my back on him. He's been too good. If God doesn't do anything else, I'm going to still pray to God. If God brings my prodigal son home, if he doesn't do that, I'm still going to pray to God. If God doesn't save my family, if God doesn't heal my cancer, if God chooses to fix my, my body or not fix my body, If God doesn't give me another sunny day, I'm going to serve Him anyway. I'm going to serve Him anyway. Because He's God of heaven. He's been good to me. He's been too good for me to turn my back on Him this morning. God gave and God take away blessings. Bless His holy name this morning. Everything that I have this morning, the clothes on my back, the shoes on my feet, the roof on my head, the car that I drive, uh, the food that I eat, everything I got this morning, God has given to me. And I, I, I praise God. I'm not worthy of it. He's been too good to me to turn my back on Him today. Looking for this rare kind of believer this morning. Anybody can be a believer. When God does everything for you in your life. When everything's going good in your life. When every situation gets over with and done with. Uh, your trials are over with. Your burdens have been lifted. Everybody can be a believer like that. Every time God fixes all your issues in your life. It's easy to be a believer like that. But it's a rare type of believer to be like Job. I, Job said, I can't find him on my left hand. I can't find him on my right hand. I go forth and he's not there. I go backwards, but I cannot perceive him. But he knoweth the way 
that I take. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's a rare kind of Christian this morning. The but if not believer this morning. But if God doesn't, if God doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm asking him to do, I'm praying him to do, I'm not going to stop serving him, I'm not going to give up on him, and I'm going to turn my back on him. I have to be honest with you, I've made my mind up a long time ago. Whether God decides to do anything else for me, I've thrown my lot in with him. I'm not changing. Whether God answers another prayer in my life, whether God delivers me out of another uh, trial or lifts my burdens, uh, uh, whether God is uh, around me or I can't feel him, I, I, I just cast my lots with God. I, I said I'll serve God. I'll walk with God. I'll live with God. I, I thank God. I'm just going to stay with God. I'm not going to give up on God. Asking you this this morning, are you that rare kind of believer this morning? Are you that one kind of believer that can say, I'm a but if not believer? Let me say a couple of things before I go into the message. If God doesn't fix what's going on in, on in your life, you become if a, a but if not believer. If you say I'm a but if not believer, then you must determine not to get bitter. Determine not to get bitter. I don't read anywhere in Hebrews chapter 11 that those people in Hebrews chapter 11 got bitter with God because the Lord did not deliver them, but delivered everybody else. But didn't get delivered out of themselves. I don't read anywhere in Daniel chapter 3 that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got mad or angry or bitter with Daniel. Now, I've had people ask me, well, where was Daniel at at this time? Well, Daniel was put over to province. And the best answer I can give you on that, I don't know. The Bible don't tell us. The Bible is not clear on where Daniel is at. But I, I, I do believe because they were out to get Daniel. They couldn't get Daniel because Daniel kept praying. I, I think that they would say, well, uh, we'll go it about a different way. We'll go out and get those around Daniel and we'll get them. I, I kind of think that way. But Daniel's not there. I'm telling you, if you're going to be a but if not believer, you got to make your mind up. You're not going to get bitter at the church. You're not going to get bitter at the other believers. You're not going to go through what you're going through because you're bitter. It's just because you get better with God. Don't get bitter. Let me remind you, this world is not your home. Heaven is my home. The Bible says we're just pilgrims. We're just passing through. This is a temporary home. I, I, I'm a sojourner. 
I'm, this is not my home. I'm a stranger here. And I'm just passing through. I'm not planting stakes, not putting stakes deep in this world. And the Bible says uh, that our afflictions is but for a little while. The problem is life is just for a little while. I'm not worthy to prepared with that. The glory which shall be received to us. It may get heavy down here. And there there may be some happy days coming. And the best news that I can give you this morning. And just to remind you. We're getting out of here sooner or later. We're checking out of here. Don't, don't get better. Remember, this is not your home. We're just passing through. Desire to give God the glory this morning. Through whatever you're going through, seek to give God the glory. I know people that it seems like every time they get out of one situation, out of one problem, they're right back into another. They, they love God. They serve God. They read the Bible. They pray. They attend church. And yet it seems like they're going through trial after trial after trial. And then I watch and see those that have backslidden that goes through absolutely nothing. And I asked God why. I, I know a man that was always going to the hospital because of his heart. He'd get con- water on his heart or lungs and congestion heart failure. He was al- always going to the hospital. I mean, it's just like every month he's about, he's go- they're coming to this house, taking him to the hospital. And I went to the last first time I met him. They called me up and said, you need to go over and pray with this guy. Because we don't think he's coming out. And I go over, I was heading to a revival, and I turned around and went right back to the hospital. I go in and I'm talking to him. It's late at night. He said, yeah, the doctor said, I'm not coming out of here. I said, do you believe that? He says, no, I think God has got it under control. So we had prayer right there, and we prayed, and, and he came out. In fact, he started coming to church, and we, church, he ran the food bank. He, he, I mean, he was just serving God, but every month, he was right back in the hospital. Now, that would just get somebody discouraged. Hey, I, I'm a believer. I, I serve God. I pray. I study my Bible. I go to church. But, hey, God, why are you always putting me in the hospital? Then he told me, he said, you know what, bro? I started saying, God, if you're going to take me to the hospital, put somebody in there I can witness to. And he got where he would go to the hospital and he'll start witness to everybody. The ambulance people will take him there, the nurses that came in there, everybody. I'd go and see him. He's, he's witnessed to everybody. That was his lot. That's what God wanted him to do. He was a witness for those. And he went through this day in and day out. They, he went through these trials. He said, I'm not going to let this hinder me from giving God the glory. You know what? When we start saying, I'm going to give God the glory, God will start bringing other people in your life that they can give glory to God too. I look around in the congregation this morning and I see some but if not believers that you've made your mind up 
that you're going to bring and give God the glory for everything that you go through. In the middle of your problem, you know what a lot of times we, we try to praise God before we get to the problem there, and during the problem we really don't want to give God the glory, we want to do anything to God, we just want God to get the problem over with and when we get out of the problem, oh thank God. Let me just say, in the midst of your problem, that's when you should be praising God and bringing Him the glory this morning. You say, well, if I'm a but if not believer, preacher, what can I expect? What can I expect if I'm a but not believer? Let me give you three quick things about what you can expect as a but if not believer. Take close attention to these. You can expect God to give you strength. You can expect God to give you the strength to go through whatever God has brought to you in your life. Here in our text, Daniel chapter 3, we find these boys gets cast into the fire. The but if not came true for them. They said, but God, if, but if not, it came true for them. They were cast in the fiery, burning fire. You know the story. When they, they, they heated up the, the furnace seven times hotter than normal. Look what the Bible said in verse 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast him the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their cast and their, and their hosen and their hats and their other garments and they were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. I want you to notice that what they were thrown in their entire clothing. They had on their coats, they had on the hosen, they had their hats on and other garments. You, you know what this tells me? This burning fiery furnace was something that happened in a hurry they didn't have time to prepare for it it came out of nowhere here one minute everything's going good they're doing right and doing everything they could and in the next minute they find themselves in the fiery furnace can I tell you what I've learned about the fiery furnaces of life you can't see them coming they're not going to call you up and give you a warning. Hey, we'll be there next week. They're not going to send you a message. Hey, we're on our way. Hey, you get a phone call right now and your life changes all of a sudden. Somebody can knock on your door and your life is all of a sudden. You're right in the midst of that fiery furnace. All of a sudden, you don't see them coming. And if you can't see them coming, you can't prepare for them. You don't know that. You can, you can expect that they'll happen quickly this morning. You don't know when they're going to happen. You know what amazes me about this verse right here? What amazes me about Daniel chapter 3 right here is how was it they handled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but yet the men that cast them in there were burned up. 
You see that the men tied them up, bound them up, and when they did that, they were burnt up. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not burned. But it slew the men that threw them in there. They're still walking around in the midst of the furnace fires. They're not bound. They're loose now. And they're with that fourth man in the fire this morning. You see, the fire burned up the others, but it, it didn't have, it wasn't uh, affecting them. But how is that possible? I see, <laughs> I see some people go through a little furnace, a little fire. It, it, it absolutely destroys their life. It wrecks their life. Just some little fiery furnace, some little situation in their life, and they come unglued. They turn their back on God. They stop reading the Bible. They stop going to church. They are in a mess because some little trial come into their life. Now I see some others that go through a similar situation, and they don't give up on God. They're, they're still praising God. They're still in the Bible. They're still reading. They're still serving God. They're still attending church. Uh, they're getting closer to God. They said, I'm in the midst of my fiery trial. I'm in this furnace. The, the heat is on. I've got to get closer to God. I can't do it on myself. I can't be by myself. I need to find God in the midst of my trouble. I need to find somebody that I can lean on. Let me tell you, if you get in your fiery trial, look for God. Because he's standing there with you. Can I tell you, in the midst of your fiery trial, the strength of God is available. The strength of God is available. How many of you say, I've been through a fiery trial. I've been through them. I could not have made it out on my own. I found the one that was there before me. I got to looking around. I, I can't handle this, Lord. I, I can't do it by myself. But you said you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I get in that fiery trial. I start looking around. I find him. And when I find him, I run to him, not away from him. God's going to allow you to go through some things today. That he's not going to deliver you from. He's not going to bring it away from you. He's not going to take it away from you. He says, you're going to have to just go through that. He says, you, you, you might have to go through this trial that's upon you, but my strength is available to get you through that. Amen. Hey. Aren't you glad God's strength is available? Aren't you glad you don't have to re, re, uh, uh, live on your own strength? Because we could be like a lot of Christians and something come on our life, we run our way too. But we know we have the strength of God in the midst of our trials. But if not allows us, it allows us to tap into the strength of God to something bigger than us to get us through. You can always count. You can always expect, but if not believer that God's strength is always available. Always available. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love this. 
God's strength is always available. But not only can you expect God to give you strength, but secondly, if you are a but-if-not believer, you can expect God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. You know the story. Paul gets called up to third heaven. He wants, comes back and wants to tell everybody, but God says, no, you can't tell nobody. Isn't it amazing you want to talk, talk about something to somebody about God's giving you, God's showing you, but he said, hey, no, you can't do that. Instead of being to tell everybody what he's seen, what he's experienced, uh, he said, hey, I, I imagine he probably could say, look, uh, you hold on, you endure, because I've seen some place, I've been somewhere, I saw something, and I'm just telling you, it might just be for a little while down here, but there's a place, and there's a time, that, hey, you're going to receive something great, but God said, no! Don't tell nobody about this. But instead... Instead, God let the devil stick him with a thorn. He's got something better for him. He says, I got something better for you telling people what's like here. I got something better for him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, he be three times, that it might depart from me. Come on now. You would think that somebody with a prayer life like Paul could get a prayer through. I mean somebody like the apostle Paul who writes most of the New Testament surely could get a prayer through to heaven about getting this thorn removed from his flesh. He asked God three times, Lord, what about it? Lord, what about it? What he said in verse number nine, and he said unto me, God said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul picks up the narrative. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in the infirmities and reproach and necessary and and uh, persecution and distress for God's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we can argue all day long about what this thorn is. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an idea. Let, just say, let me just say this and settle it this way. It's a thorn. And Paul didn't like it. But God allowed it to come into his life. Here's a Christian begging God in the night hours. Three times calling out, God, please remove this. Oh, God, please take this. Oh, God, please deliver me. You'll never convince me that these three times Paul prayed. It was just not one of those prayers. Well, God, I wish you removed this thorn in Jesus' name. Amen. 
No, this is one of those deep, earnest, groaning prayers. Uh, It's something that he got down in his soul. Uh, It means uh, it's all an out prayer, meaning he's crying, he's begging, he's seeking God. It's getting down into him. Oh, God, please. He is seriously in agony about this thorn, and he's begging God to remove it from him. There may be some here this morning that's been prayed and prayed about and fasted about and fasted and God answers came back always, no. I love you, Paul. You know I love you. You wrote yourself, nothing can be separate me from you. Nothing can separate our love, my love. And you know I love you, Paul. But I'm not going to change this situation. Some of us, if we were writing the, what Paul was writing, some of us was writing the New Testament this morning, and we prayed to God to remove this thorn. Lord God, remove this thorn. And God said, no, we'd quit writing. In fact, we'll start doubting God. I, 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 I can't. I can't do it, God, because this thorns my flesh. I can't serve you because there's something against me. I can't write this because there's something against me. I can't serve you. I can't do this, Lord, because something is hindering me. God, why? We would have to start believing what the devil said. Well, if God loved you, he wouldn't allow this to come upon you. God loved you, he wouldn't have, he have answered your prayer. If God loved you, he, wouldn't have take, he would have taken care of you this by now. You wouldn't have to go through like this. But Paul knew God loved him. He knew God cared about him. And Paul wasn't buying into the devil's lies. Every time the devil come to him and twist that thorn in his side, he said, Why? Paul said, I got something better. I got something better. I got something to counteract that thorn, devil. You can twist all you want to, but I got something better. God gave Paul a prescription in the middle of that thorn. Paul came to the Lord and said, I've got this thorn. I need some help. I I want it gone, God, but uh, uh, I tell you, What I'll do for you is greater than me removing that thorn for you, Paul. I'll give you a prescription from heaven. What's that? It's called a prescription of grace, Paul. I'm going to give you grace. And it will get you through those times. Those dark hours uh, when the thorn is being twisted, uh, when you feel like you're by yourself, uh, you feel like nobody loves you, nobody cares you. Lord Paul, uh, this grace will be there for you because it's sufficient. I'm going to give you amazing grace, Paul. I'm going to give you something that will help you when nothing else will help you, Paul. If you're a but not believer, God gives grace. God gives grace. Well, what kind of grace? 
It's powerful grace. It says this. It's powerful. Look at verse number nine. This is Jesus talking about, that, about this. He says, my grace, my grace. It's a powerful grace because Jesus said it's my grace. This ain't mama's grace. This ain't daddy's grace. This ain't the preacher's grace. This ain't the church. Jesus said it's my grace. If you got God's grace, you got the grace of Jesus Christ, you've got something the world cannot take, nor the world can give. It's a powerful grace this morning. He said, my grace, I'll give you. Not only is it powerful grace, it's plentiful grace. Look what he said. My grace is sufficient. That, mean, that literally means it's enough. He said, Paul, I'm not just going to give you powerful grace. I'm giving you sufficient grace. And Paul, it will be enough. It's plentiful. It will always be there. Whenever you need this grace, it will be there. It will always be around you, Paul. Every day you get up and feel like you can't take another step, God's grace. Every time you feel like the world is caving in on you, God's grace. Every time you want to turn around and walk away, God's grace. Grace, God's grace is plentiful every time. How in the world you look at this and say, man, if God's grace is good for me and it's good enough for me to get me through, how can it do it for everybody? That's God. That's God. What God will do for me, he'll do for you. What His grace will bring me through, He'll bring you through. When God's grace is enough, it's enough for you and me both. Amen? God's grace. Can I say this grace is not only powerful, it's not only sufficient, but it's personal. It's personal grace. My grace, powerful grace, sufficient, is sufficient, the plentiful is for thee. It's just for you, Paul. He didn't say my grace is sufficient for the church, even though it is. He didn't say my, uh, my grace is sufficient for the world, even though it is. And we know that. That's not what he said. He said, Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. It's a personal grace this morning. You, you know what I love about the grace of God? It's something you can't get anywhere else. It's something that's personal to each and every one of us. Every one of us. And it's right there when we need it. And it's enough for you. I may not need the grace of God right now. But when I walk down this road, I thank God that when I do need it, it's there. I don't have to go looking for it. I don't have to run to Walmart and try to find it on a shelf. I can just say, hey, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know what I need. He said, whoa, Brother Jim, hey, here's my grace, and it's sufficient. It's powerful. It is plentiful. All you got to do is ask for it. Amen. It's a personal grace. I love personal grace because that means me and God is in tune with us. It's a prompt grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It always shows up right when you need it. It showed up in my weakness right when I need it. The Bible said, let therefore I come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace 
to help in a time of need. That means right in the nick of time, all the time, on time. When you don't think you can make it, God's grace is there. God said, hey, you need some grace. You look like you're struggling today. It's like you've got so much on you right now. Take my grace and make it for you. If you're but not, but if not believer, you can expect God's grace is sufficient all the time. And you can expect that God's strength will always be there with you. God's grace, God's strength. You can expect that. Let me give you one more. Look at Mark chapter 14. We, we see this. God's grace is sufficient. We see God's grace is, is powerful. We see God's grace is always there. And, and we see how the Hebrew children, God's grace was there. We see Paul and what he went through and all he went and dealt with, God's grace was sufficient for Paul went through. But let me show you this, Jesus, but if not event. Jesus, but if not experience. You can expect God's guidance is superb. Don't miss this. Jesus knows what he's going to have to do. He knows what he's set forth. He knows what he's going to get real experience. He has one of his, I know if God but here in the text, not just all God, but he's all man. He's, he's going to learn, lean on the guidance of his father. In Mark 14, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 34, and he said unto them, have, have you ever had a, one of those experiences once or twice? You finally fell down on your face somewhere. Jesus goes a little farther and falls on his ground into his face and said, my soul exceedingly sorrowful. Have you ever had one of those experiences that you just fell on your face that you couldn't bear it no more? And you said, Lord, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. I can't, I've done, I've been there. I've been, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful on the day of, verse 35, and he went forth a little bit, fell on his ground and prayed, and if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Watch your guidance, his father. Verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. He sounds a little bit like uh, three Hebrew, Hebrew born children there. God is able. God is able. But if not, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless. Here it is. But if not, Lord, I will lean on your guidance. I will uh, uh, be with right. Take away this cup from thee, nevertheless. Not that I will but thy will. Jesus tastes his death for every man, not just the nails in his hands, not just the nails in his feet, scourging, mocking. He's going to drink the cup of the dreaded sin. He's going to take on sin, all of transgression from Adam until, the, until this day, until the end of time. He's going to take all that upon himself. And here he prays, Lord, if it's possible, I, I know that you're able. 
Father, if it's possible, if there's another way, let this cup pass, nevertheless, not mine, but thou will done. Why would God guide his son to Calvary? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I thought about this. Some of you, but if not believers, are wondering why you're facing what you're going through this morning. You know why Jesus was guided to Calvary? Why Jesus was guided by his father to Calvary to suffer, bleed, and die? You know why he guided him to Calvary? He got him there for you and I. He got him there for you and I. So Jesus, but if not experienced, was not his. It was ours. That was our but if not experience. If Jesus took our but, now get this. If Jesus took our but if not experience, and went through and done what the God led him to do, his father led him to do, then don't you think maybe what you're going through is not for you, but for somebody else? <clears throat> you're right. <clears throat> maybe God in heaven looks down and says, I, I know that that person's not able because their faith is not where it should be, but I'm going to let something come on this one right here that has a faith that has the ability to call on me and don't get wavered. I'm going to let it come on them so that one over here can say, look, if God was able to bring him through that. And he came out in the middle of it and praised God and give God the glory. I think maybe that I could do the same thing. Maybe your butt, if not experience, is not yours, but it's somebody else's. Somebody else's. Have you ever wondered why you went through something that had no bearing in your life? Lord, why, why does, why, what was this all about? And you meet somebody that's facing something similar. And you can say, you know what? I went through this. And I was able to go through this because of this. God's strength. God's grace is sufficient. And I was guided by God. So if we start thinking on that plane, we get on a different plane than where we stay at all the time. We get with the plane where Jesus, Jesus knew where he was going. He, he's 100% God, 100% man. Now, God knew that, hey, I've got this, I've got this. But man said, whoo I, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. But nevertheless, you know, he prayed three times. Paul prayed three times. Get this, let, let it pass, let it pass. Take his cup. He said, Lord, but not nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Thy will be done. You may be facing a but if not, if but if not experience right now. Lord, I don't understand this. Why I'm going through this. I don't understand what I'm dealing with. But I want to say, I'm going to give you the praise and glory in the midst of it. Ask this. 
Are you a but if not believer? But if not. Lord, if you don't deliver me from this, <laughs> this, this trial that I'm going through, this burden that's been placed on me, Lord, if you don't deliver me through this, can I praise you in the midst of it? You know, I, I, it's sad to see people that go through something and it don't take nothing but trigger them to keep them out of church or keep them away from God. And yet they'll tell you, I'm a Christian. Nowhere in the Bible I say, read that says, when you go through a situation, run away from God. It says, move closer to Him. It always says, move closer to Him. And it gets me too. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm closer than a brother. That means He's always around you. That we just don't look for Him. If you are a but if not believer, can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you say, Lord, I am a but if not believer. I need to know that your strength is going to be there. I need to know that your grace is going to be there. And I need to know that your guidance is going to always be there for me. But if not believer. If you're not a but if not believer right now, the day is the day you need to become a but if not believer because I'm telling you, we're going to head, we're heading into things that we've never seen before in this country. I, I, I read about those who are persecuted all around the world because of the name of Jesus Christ. And we've got it so easy. But that persecution is coming. It's coming. And you need to be a but if not believer. But if not believer. Those who are but if not believers went to the, uh, the guillotine. Those who are but if not believers went to the stake and were burned alive. Those who are but if not believers had their tongues pulled out of them, had the babies snatched from them. But if not believers, and they still praise God. How about you? How about you this morning? Can you say, I'm a but if not believer? I'm a but if not believer this morning. I'll sing his praises. I'll, I, I look this way. Guys, y'all come on up here. We'll get this. 